Today we're going to look at two different stories that actually kind of lead us to the same place and they're sandwiched together, uh, talking about Jesus and his relationship to the Sabbath. And Jesus was constantly being questioned throughout the gospels about his ability to keep the Sabbath according to the laws that the Pharisees had added to the Sabbath. If you're not familiar with the Sabbath or why it's important, you've never heard that word, let me quickly show you a verse from Genesis and a verse from Exodus that speak to this. In Genesis chapter two, it says this, on the seventh day, God had completed his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all of his work that he had done. God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy. For on it, he rested from all his work of creation. From the very beginning of creation, God modeled for us and for his people what it was like to take a rest. And he declared that they needed that rest. And I want you to let that sink in for a moment because when I talk to most of you on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night after we dismiss services, there are two things that you say to me consistently. How are you doing? Good, but busy. Good, but busy. It doesn't matter if you're young, doesn't matter if you're old, you all say the same things. We're good, but we're busy. And it's an important thing that we understand this because the Sabbath really is the antidote to the busy life in, in the same way that a drug like naloxone is to opioids. I mean, it can reverse the effects. That, that's what it does. It actually re reverses the effects of the busy life. And God knew this and he modeled it for us. But interestingly enough, he also knew that modeling wasn't going to be enough. And so he commanded it. In Exodus chapter 20, the 10 commandments, he says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. What does holy mean? It just means set apart, different. We call this the sanctuary. There are a lot of things that we could do in this room, but there is one thing that we must do in this room. It is set apart for the worship of God. So I understand that when we talk about holy, it's not maybe part of your normal vernacular. You, you probably don't say that every day, but, but when we talk about it, it means that something is different. So when we think of the, the one day of rest, it is different than the six other days that God has given us. Now, God gives this to a nation that is being formed. The Hebrews have been enslaved in Egypt. And as they come out of slavery, he gives them commandments and he says, you must rest. For all of these years, they had not had control of their own lives. They'd not had control of their own schedules. They had no rest. And you would think that a people who's just been given the ability to live free would find rest, but God knew that that's not how we're wired. We, we constantly violate this. And so we find in our freedom, oftentimes we're enslaved to things that we think are free. Freedom was the answer. None of us this morning would have a problem with busy schedules and Sabbath rest. You're free to do whatever you want. You just choose not to. For people in Jewish life in the first century, there was really an unbelievable expectation about what keeping the Sabbath meant. It was filled with regulations and rules and they had shifted over time to become bigger and heavier than what was outlined in Genesis, what we just read in Exodus. Some people have said there were around 39 expectations and rules in addition to the words, keep the Sabbath holy. For instance, tying a knot, Sabbath breaker. 
untying a knot, Sabbath breaker. So all of you who wore shoes like I did this morning, you're in violation of the Sabbath because I can't wear a shoe that's a slip-on. I'll walk right out of it. Incidentally, teenagers, Nike has a self-tying shoe for $400. Now's the time to ask mom and dad for that. (laughs) So if you're trying to do the right thing, Nike's on your side. We could go a number of directions with this theme, couldn't we? And, and I want you to keep this in mind this morning. This really isn't the purpose of the message is, is for us to just really focus in on what it means to have a Sabbath, but I don't want to get to, to the point of the message and you miss this because we don't talk about it often enough. A, a Sabbath is what Jesus is Lord of, and that's the point of the message today. But before we get there, I want to give you a small piece of Sabbath kind of practical advice. And I think it's, it's one of the ways you can frame your Sabbath. Years ago, I read an interesting description of the Sabbath that I think is very helpful for us, and you can remember it with these three words that begin with the letter R. A Sabbath should include rest. That's cessation of your labors. It should include reflection, the worship of the living Lord Jesus Christ. It should should include recreation. And, And that's something that takes your mind somewhere different than where it is normally during the week. But it's very important that you understand that if you do one of these things to the exclusion of the other two, you haven't had a Sabbath. Oftentimes, we say, I'm fishing on the Sabbath. Well, you're just fishing. It's not the same. There's something to be said for that idea in our lives that our mind and our bodies and our spirit meet. So our mind meets in recreation with with a a different thing that we, we would normally do. Our soul, our spirit is raised higher because we worship the living Lord Jesus Christ, God the Father. And then, and then we, we, we have that, this idea that our bodies need rest. And when any of those things get out of joint, what starts to happen? Our lives begin to get complicated. And so God has given us everything that we need in this. It's right there for us. But we need to do it. So let's transition to Luke 6, verse 1. On a Sabbath day, it was just a a singular Sabbath day. We don't know any more about it. He passed through the grain fields. His disciples were picking the heads of grain, rubbing them in their hands, and eating them. But some of the Pharisees said, Why are you doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? Jesus answered them, Haven't you read what David and those who were with him did when he was hungry? How he entered the house of God, took the ate the bread of the presence is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, but even gave some to those who were with him. Then he told them, the son of man is Lord of the Sabbath. On another Sabbath day, and it doesn't say it's like sequential, it's just it happened again. On another Sabbath day, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. A man was there whose right hand was shriveled. The scribes and Pharisees were watching him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. And they could find no charge, so they could find a charge against him. But he knew their thoughts and had the man stand up with the shriveled hands, get up and stand here. So he got up and stood there and Jesus said to them, I ask you, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath or to do evil, to save life or destroy it? And after looking around at all of them, he told them, stretch out your hand. He did. And his hand was restored. They, however, were filled with rage and started discussing with one another what they might do to Jesus. Jesus was in trouble because the nitpickers, the Pharisees, had started in on him 
and the disciples for a small thing. As they were passing through, notice what it said there. They weren't trying to work on the Sabbath. They were just passing through a field. And as they were walking, and this feels funny to us because you probably haven't done this. Like, I mean, I haven't done this. I've never walked through a grain field and just thought, well, I'm going to get a little snack. But that's what they were doing, picking the heads of grain, rubbing them between their hands, and just eating as they passed through. They were making their way somewhere. Mindlessly, the disciples are, are just giving in to hunger, just doing what they needed to do, snacking, picking these heads of grain and rubbing them. Now, this is interesting because this isn't prohibited in its nature. You, you're, you're not prohibited from walking through someone's field and gleaning. Now, you can't take the sickle to someone else's field, the scripture says, but you can walk through and, and you can go around the edges and you, you can glean a little bit if you're hungry. It's interesting because... God never said don't eat on the Sabbath. God didn't say don't walk on the Sabbath. He didn't say it was a problem to have a snack, thank God, on the Sabbath. You can eat, you can walk, you can have a snack. What did God say? Remember the Sabbath and keep it different, holy. That's what he said. And so Jesus decided to ask them if they remembered a story. He said, hey guys, you remember back in Samuel, David and some of his men were fleeing from Saul and they've been fighting, they're, they're on the run and David showed up and asked one of the priests, he said, what do you got? I need something to eat. We're, we're famished, we're starving. He said, give us some bread, give us anything is what the scripture says. And the priest says, I don't have anything. All that's around here is the bread of the presence. This was important bread. It was used every weekend for the Sabbath. It was normally 12 loaves for the 12 tribes of Israel, and it was reserved for the priest to eat. It wasn't for any old person to come up and eat. You couldn't just join the priest and say, hey, break me off a piece of that bread. I'm hungry. It didn't work that way. But this was an extenuating circumstance, and David said, give it to me, and David took it, and, and Jesus pointed out he didn't just eat it, because, you know, they might say, well, David was a king. He's special, man after God's own heart. I mean, that kind of thing. It said he gave it to the men as well. Jesus decided to end that argument by saying, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. They could look to him and see how to relate to the Sabbath if they chose to, because he was, in fact, in charge of the Sabbath. Think about that. Not them. Jesus. On a second Sabbath day, teaching in the synagogue, a man with a withered hand was there also. And the Pharisees lost sight of what was important. They weren't paying attention to the message Jesus was teaching. All they wanted to see is, hey, check this out. There's a guy with a withered hand. Let's see if Jesus messes up and heals him. They wanted to charge him. They wanted to find something to discredit Jesus and punish him as a Sabbath breaker. Interestingly enough, there were rules that the Pharisees had put in place which actually did not prohibit someone from receiving medical care if it was absolutely necessary. But I guess they didn't feel like this was absolutely necessary. You could heal someone if, if their eye was hurt or their throat was hurt, hand and feet, not so much. Now, you understand that, that they might have said to Jesus, I mean, this hand has been withered, I mean, for a long time. Can't you wait till tomorrow? I mean, that's kind of an interesting way to frame that, isn't it? How about this? You know the running joke around church? 
How do you know the difference between major surgery and minor surgery? If you're having it, it's major. If your friend's having it, totally regular, minor, no big deal, you know? <laughs> That's how it is. Do you think it might have been important to this man that his hand was healed? Maybe he can't work. Maybe his profession had been changed because of this. Maybe he was really in a, a dire situation. But the law didn't prohibit healing. It allowed for a reasonable circumstance to be taken care of in your life. If someone was in need, if something happened that was drastic and required your work outside of the norm, it was permitted. Later in Luke chapter 14, Jesus again heals somebody on the Sabbath. He just has this knack to keep doing this. He's really trying to pick back at them, isn't he? And get them to see something. Look at what it says in verse five of Luke chapter 14. And to them, he said, which of you whose son or ox falls into a well will not immediately pull him out on the Sabbath day. Jesus is saying a circumstance outside the norm happens. Your child, one of your animals falls in a well. Do you just leave them there and say, hey man, we'll catch you tomorrow? No, it doesn't work that way. You go and do what needs to be done. Now I must say the modern church loves this verse and you all love to misuse it. Couldn't be there Sunday had to get my ox out of the ditch. First, it doesn't say ditch, it says well. And secondly, you don't have an ox. And if you were doing regular work, that's just not really what we're talking about here. But let's imagine for a moment, you were building a barn this weekend at your house. That might be regular work. We don't need to do that on a day that's reserved for rest. But let's imagine that, that like a couple of years ago, do you remember when we had the flash flood on Saturday night that happened? I spent that Sunday afternoon tearing out carpet in my neighbor's home. Should we have just looked at those people who were in desperation as water was coursing through their home and said, hey, I'd love to help you, but you know it's Sunday. I'm going to take a nap. Is that the answer? No. Jesus said, don't look at your regulations. Look at the relationships you have with these people and people that are in real need, you minister to them. And that was the issue going on in Luke 6 that requires us to think critically, isn't it? Jesus asked the Pharisees, what should I do? And they refused to answer because what they actually wanted him to do was heal somebody so they could catch him and accuse him and build a case against. Think about that. We hope he heals this guy. I tell you, that's gonna be good for us. Good for him, better for us. Let's get him. We'll have what we need. There's always a tendency in our lives to be just like the Pharisees and love our traditions more than we love people. We can protect them, we can defend them against the real needs and the expense of, of other people, but Jesus didn't de despise or diminish the Sabbath with what he did. Remember something, he was there at creation. John tells us that everything that came into this world came through the agency of Christ. So you think he took a Sabbath at creation with God the Father? You think the Holy Spirit took a Sabbath? Do you think we know more about the Sabbath than God the Father? Do you think we know more about the Sabbath than Christ the Son or the Holy Spirit? Of course not. That's ridiculous. And that's what Jesus was trying to get them to see. The Pharisees refused to see it because they refused to see that he was Christ, the Messiah. And in their refusal... They refused to see the great things God was doing. Look back at verse 10 and 11. After looking around at them all, he told them, stretch out your hand. He did and his hand was restored. But they, however, were filled with rage and started discussing with one another what they might do to Jesus. Did they even notice what happened before their very eyes? That somebody whose hand was withered stretched out his hand in faith. 
and received it back. They, they missed it. I wonder what happened when they got back to headquarters. Could we have some holy imagination for just a moment? Just, it's just holy imagination. It's not in the Bible. I'm making this up. It's dangerous. If I get out of line, Mike, hit in the head, Jesus loves me, dismissed, okay? But imagine this with me. Hey, guys, you're not going to believe it. We got him. Really, what happened? You're not going to believe it. There was this guy, withered hand. Do you know the guy with the withered hand? Oh, yeah, what's his name? Is it, is it Jeff? Is it John? Is it Carter? Whatever. It doesn't matter what his name is. He stretched out his hand and got his function back. We got him. Man, that's incredible. How did it happen? How, hey, don't miss the forest for the trees. It doesn't matter if the guy got his hand back. We got Jesus. We've got what we need. Oh, yeah, sorry. It doesn't matter that a guy received that. We've never seen that. We've never seen a miracle like that. Do you remember what Jesus told John the Baptist when John was struggling? John was doubting. John's in prison. And, and Jesus was sitting there and John's disciples come and visit with him. And they say, are you really the one? And Jesus said, just go back and tell him. The blind receive their sight. The lame get up and walk. The dead are raised back. That's how he answered. When that hand came out, they missed it because all they wanted was evidence. They wanted evidence to convict him. And as we think about these two passages, I want to remind you of a few things, but I really want you to see what Luke wants us to see this morning. The way he recorded it was, was so precise. None of the other gospel writers tell us it was the man's right hand, but remember, Luke's a physician. It's so precise in what he's trying to get us to see. Most of us have a great deal of respect for the Ten Commandments. We've been frustrated when our country has moved them out of courthouses and, and out of public places because we know that our country was built on a Judeo-Christian ethic. You cannot deny it. That's where it started from. It's drifting, but that's where it started from. And so when we look at the Ten Commandments, we see our laws based and being made off of those things. As we think about the respect that we have for the Ten Commandments, we should also think about observing them. More than just 10 suggestions, they're the 10 foundational commandments for our lives, and that still holds true for our relationship to God the Father. It doesn't do us a lot of good to be happy this morning and say, well, I'm not a liar, I'm not a thief, I'm not a murderer, I'm not an adulterer, I'm a Sabbath breaker, not a big deal. I use the Lord's name in vain, not a big deal. Think about this. God gave you an order in those commandments very specifically. The first all deal with our relationship to God the Father. And then they begin to go out horizontally to deal with our relationship with one another. And if we don't get this right, we never have this right. It doesn't work. It's very easy for us to forget that our relationship to God the Father must be primary. And I understand why. And maybe you do too. I can look at you and I see you. I have to interact with you today. I have to interact with my family today. I have to interact with people. I mean, it, it's a very concrete thing. And sometimes our relationship with God the Father can feel a little abstract, doesn't it? Because it's not as if I can just like touch him or he can bump me with an elbow. I mean, he could, but he just doesn't choose to do that, right? I mean, it's different. But think about this. I'm not saying that keeping the Sabbath is going to fix all of your relational issues. That's not the point. But they'll fix some of them. When you keep the Sabbath and your body is at rest and your soul is focused and reoriented to God the Father and your mind is fresh because you've done something fun, 
you'll treat people differently. You'll have patience with them. You'll be long-suffering with them. You'll appreciate them the way God does. But secondly, I want you to see that the Sabbath is more than, than, than you think about it because God knows more about this than you do. So it, it, it's more than what we think about the Sabbath. It's what does God say about the Sabbath? Uh, God knows more about all of us. And, and so when we rest, we're putting faith in God that he's still at work. When we cease our labors, we're trusting in his design for our lives and truly living the life of faith. While we rest, he is working. I want to remind you that there's something wonderful about finding yourself in this posture of rest and reflection and recreation because those things become life-giving to you in your soul in a way that nothing else can do because God intended it to be that way. One of the things I love at this church is watching what happens here every Sunday and every Wednesday when we dismiss. Children begin to run all over the place from out of nowhere. They throw things at each other. They play tag. They play hide and seek. They laugh. They, 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 they run wild through here, and I'm not going to stop them. I want them to have fun. I want them to enjoy it. It reminds me so much of a global impact celebration we had a number of years ago. A number of years ago, we had the bright idea as a leadership team to give you all these things that were about this long, and when you hit a button, they kind of lit up with different colors, and we thought that would be a lot of fun. Nobody saw the other side of that. I was looking up in the balcony, and there were two brothers who shall remain nameless, because they may be in the room, and they were sword fighting. And I loved it. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? It's been often said that the great theologian John Calvin could be found on Sunday afternoons playing in the streets with children from his church. There's something about it that's good for us, that God's created this world and we're to enjoy it. We're, we're to be able to, to be refreshed by these things. And while both of these things are important, I don't want you to miss the most important thing of what Luke is saying. What does Luke want us to see? He wants us to see Jesus as Messiah in the first story. And that's why he related the circumstances to David's circumstances. There was one that was going to come that was going to be greater than David. And it's Jesus. And he's telling everybody, as Jesus says these words, he's saying, look here, it's me. The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus proved he had the authority to challenge the man-made rules because as God's son, he was the final authority on what was going on. I also want you to think about what happened in that second one. Jesus' authority could be questioned, but it could never be matched. Because he could always say, put up or shut up. Stick out your hand. Do it. Let's give God some glory this morning. Let's see what what God's doing. And if we understand what Luke is saying, then we have to answer a question. Do we know Christ as Messiah and Lord? Has there ever been a time in your life where you've given yourself to the living Lord Jesus?